Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, a filmmaker's collaborative podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. On this episode, we're proud to introduce to the world a new filmmaking and multi-platform initiative for which Filmmakers Collaborative is the fiscal sponsor. The initiative is called Brainstorm the Film, and I'm joined by Bonnie Walsh and Sarah Schley, the producing team behind this comprehensive and far-reaching project. Currently in the development phase, Brainstorm the Film, inspired by the book Brainstorm, Sarah Schley's searing memoir of life on the bipolar spectrum, is an unprecedented initiative that combines inspiring stories of people with lived experience of being on the bipolar spectrum, cutting-edge science, and breakthrough treatments in one coherent narrative. Here's an initial trailer summarizing the project's objectives. Over 50 million people are living with debilitating depression today. Yet millions are misdiagnosed. One out of three people diagnosed with depression actually have a form of bipolar. Their brains are on the bipolar spectrum. But most people have never heard of the bipolar spectrum, including practitioners who are prescribing the wrong medications. The wrong diagnosis can be deadly. People with bipolar brains are twice as likely to die by suicide as people with major depression. In the 11 years on average it takes to get a correct diagnosis and treatment, people are suffering and dying. They are our family and friends. But we have the power to change this. Through striking personal stories, cutting-edge brain science, and breakthrough therapies, Brainstorm the Film will save lives. On Wednesday, February 8th, from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Filmmakers Collaborative will be hosting a free Zoom event featuring members of the producing team along with key advisors and participants. This event will serve as a wonderful opportunity to learn about the goals of the film and its outreach efforts, while also giving attendees an opportunity to pose questions about the project and about life on the bipolar spectrum. And as importantly, The event will serve as an invitation to attendees to contribute what they can to ensure the project's success. For more information about the February 8th Zoom event, please visit Filmmakers Collaborative at www.filmmakerscollab.org. And now on to my conversation with Bonnie Walsh and Sarah Schley. Hello and welcome to Making Media Now to Bonnie Walsh and to Sarah Schley. And we are here today. It's kind of a special making media now today as uh, listeners to the podcast are aware. Our sponsor is Filmmakers Collaborative and Filmmakers Collaborative, as is mentioned on every podcast, uh, provides a lot of resources to filmmakers and media makers. But their primary role is to provide fiscal sponsorship uh, for documentary film projects and initiatives. And we're here today to sort of christen and present to the world uh, a very special initiative for a film called uh, Brainstorm, the film. And I'm going to uh, pass the baton to producer Bonnie Walsh to give us a synopsis of what Brainstorm the film is all about. Uh, Sure, Michael. Thanks so much. And thanks for having us on the podcast. Um, So I'm the producer, director, writer of the film project, and it's 
The film is very much inspired by the memoir written by Sarah Schley about, um, and she can talk a little bit more about this, of course, um, but it was about discovering after 25 years that she is bipolar, has a bipolar brain. And Sarah is going to be the co-producer and co-writer of the project. She's really the expert with the experience. And our goal is really to educate the public about the bipolar spectrum, which is very much under uh, diagnosed. A lot of people aren't aware that there is a spectrum. They know that there's something called manic depression, which is known as bipolar one, but they haven't heard of anything else. And they don't realize that there are different uh, types of bipolar brains on a spectrum. And so our goal is to educate the public about this with the intention of saving lives, ending the stigma, providing hope and therapies, and also presenting a lot of really fantastic, smart, ambitious people who have bipolar brains and who are doing amazing things and are incredibly creative and accomplished. Um, so Sarah can tell you more about her journey, which her book is about. Thanks very much, Bonnie. And that book is called Brainstorm, and that's Sarah's memoir. So Sarah, welcome. It's it's great to be speaking with you. Thank you so much, Michael, and thank you for having us. Uh, tell me about your thought process when the idea was presented to you about turning your memoir into this far-reaching, wide-ranging film initiative. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if Bonnie wants me to share this or not, but I actually approached her. <laughs> We're old dear friends and I was um, blown away in the best sense possible um, watching Bonnie's film, Climate Emergency, Earth Emergency. In my other life, I've been a sustainability professional for 30 years and I just thought Bonnie and team knocked it out of the park. So I almost kind of... Um, you know, in jester with a big hope mentioned, Hey, Bonnie, could we get brainstorm on PBS? And she said, well, you don't get a film on PBS. You, uh, what do I know? I don't know anything. Um, make the best possible film you can. And then, you know, seek to have it dist distributed on that kind of a channel. So over time, you know, Bonnie invited other folks into this. Melanie Wallace is one who's been an Emmy award winning, um, producer who worked for Nova for many years and Melanie got on board with the project. And here we go. And uh, uh, Sarah, you also have a, um, a TED talk uh, that is very enlightening, very in in instructive. It's called From Broken to Bl uh, Blessed on the Bipolar Spectrum, uh, which does a really great job of um, defining bipolar, first of all, defining the introducing and then defining the bipolar spectrum and how you came to discover that you were on that spectrum and where on that spectrum you were. And you talk about a 25 year journey that involved over uh, five psychiatrists. So without replicating the TED talk, give us a little bit of a, a, a synopsis of that journey and, and how that journey led to the memoir. Yeah, 25 years is pretty incredible, isn't it? And and through our research, we found that on average, it takes someone on the bipolar spectrum 11 years to have the proper diagnosis. And in the interim, you know, they are among the addicted, the incarcerated, the homeless, our friends and family. So 
missing the diagnosis is uh, can be very dangerous. And indeed, those of us anywhere on the bipolar spectrum are twice as likely to take our own lives as anybody with major depression. So getting the diagnosis right is absolutely essential. Um, why did it take 25 years? So people with like myself, we typically show up at a doctor's office of any kind with severe depression symptoms. The ones you're familiar with, you know, low affect, um, no desire for anything, unable to get out of bed, et cetera, et cetera. And because of those uh, symptoms, we're consistently misdiagnosed as having regular or major depression mm -hmm. because most doctors, most practitioners, even, you know, doctors you would think would specialize in this just are not aware. They haven't been trained. Uh, to understand that there's a spectrum. So we get the wrong diagnosis, the wrong drugs, which make us worse. And I could go into my whole TED talk now, but I'll take a breath. Um, yeah. And that, in, in, in over that journey, that 25 year journey of misdiagnosis and, and perhaps false starts in terms of, of medication, um, what was the increasing difficulty or was there an increasing difficulty with you navigating, you know, life and work and 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 dealing with this uh, fact of your existence? Yes. One thing about the bipolar spectrum to note is everyone is different. So my experience is my experience. In my case, uh, severe depressions lasting on average nine months. Mm -hmm. And when I say severe, completely broken brain, inability to do anything pretty much. Uh, so were it not for supportive family and later husband, you know, I could easily be on the streets. Uh, so it's it's a devastating um, brain pattern that basically, you know, is broken brain. And again, I go in that in, in detail in the TED talk, what that means, um, you know, choosing between peanut butters, trying to do the laundry. It's impossible to add two plus three. You've mm -hmm. been very high functioning. And so it's it's uh, devastating to have this brain that's not working anymore. Um, interestingly, it got increasingly worse many years later when I finally, against my constitutional will, said yes to medication. It took me a long time to say yes to medication. I'm sorry I didn't do it sooner. But because I was misdiagnosed, I was given the wrong drugs for me. And antidepressants can actually act like poison for the bipolar brain. Not everyone. Some people do okay with them. But for me, they were... Um, it made me worse. Um, and so that's part of why the memoir, you know, helping people to recognize they don't have to suffer and they don't have to get worse because of this wrong diagnosis. The good thing, if you will, about being bipolar, some parents of young young people have said to me, oh, my kid has a bipolar diagnosis. I would say great, because the good thing about getting the diagnosis is there actually really is good help. Uh, medication actually works for people with bipolar once they're properly diagnosed and all the other ancillary you know, treatments that we do. So when we hear about a spectrum, I think most people uh, get the impression of a spectrum runs from point A to point B. And and there's you know, there's uh, definitions or categories along that uh, along that spectrum. Can you tell us about what exists along that bipolar spectrum? I think of it now as a rainbow with infinite stops. Okay. And that's what we're learning from the um, from the researchers, as Bonnie said, we've been talking to the top of the top bipolar researchers and academics. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of I've been saying to them sort of like a wave and a particle. OK, I'm not sure which of the particle is there are stops along the way. Mm -hmm. Bipolar two. I have what's known as bipolar two. That's defined as severe depression plus hypomania. 
Okay. okay. And we could go into that in more detail. There's also bipolar NOS. NOS means not otherwise specified, which mm-hmm. has some other characteristics to it. What many of the doctors we're speaking to is uh, have been saying, you know, over time, we're going to find there's a genetic, everybody's got a slightly different variation on this theme. So there may be a broad swath that says this set of symptoms looks like bipolar too, like what I have. We That's good news. We know that there's certain medications and approaches that can help you. Somewhere else down the line might have some something slightly different. But the main thing to appreciate for something on the spectrum, as Bonnie was saying, there's bipolar one at the one end of the spectrum that is easy to recognize because it's got that classic mania with a high swing, right? As you go down the spectrum, it's easier to misdiagnose because you don't see the mania. This is bipolar without mania. Bonnie, as a uh, a filmmaker, particularly a filmmaker who concentrates on uh, telling stories about science, when when the idea to uh, turn brainstorm into a film and an initiative uh, was brought to your attention, um, what were the first questions that came to your mind around how do we how do we take this story? How do we take the science that's inherent in this story and make it visually compelling and 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 make it uh, accessible uh, to people, um, you know, to lay people? Yeah, good question. So I just want to back up a little. I, I did read Sarah's memoir probably two summers ago. Mm-hmm. I was really blown away by it. It's you know, Sarah is brilliant. She's a fantastic writer. You know, she's someone I knew in college as this, you know, incredibly, you know, accomplished, smart, energetic person. And I was so sort of shocked to hear what she had been through because I I didn't know at the time. And um, so when she approached me and said she wanted to make a film for PBS, at first I I didn't think of me doing it. I brought in Melanie Wallace, who's very connected because of her Nova contacts. And I brought her in to consult with Sarah. And we talked about maybe getting, you know, who who we could get to direct it. And then after having several conversations with Sarah, I was so drawn to the content, to the topic. And Sarah is so compelling when she talks about it that I just thought, I want to do this. This is right up my alley. Like I do science films and I'm really, really interested in this story. And I don't think it's a story that's been told and it's something new that people don't know about. And I'm always drawn to stories like that. Like the climate films I did, we focused on feedback loops, which a lot of people don't know about. And I'm very drawn to science topics that the public isn't generally aware of. And I, I love the challenge of making those stories accessible and telling them well to people. And so this story really drew me and I thought, I want to do this. This is great. And working with Sarah is great. So I guess the way I'm approaching it is I'm fascinated with the science. And so as Sarah said, we've been talking to a lot of the top scientists and researchers and doctors in bipolar just to get the lay of the land to find out what's going on. And we've been learning just incredible stories. Like, for example, perinatal women, which are women in the period of pregnancy and a year postpartum, it turns out they're 20 percent. They have 20 percent of them who have no history of bipolar will have a bipolar episode during this period. That's a huge number of women. It sure is. And they've never been screened. They've they don't they weren't even screened for depression until a couple of years ago. Generally, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking kind of generally. And so we talked to this one doctor at UMass Medical who started this program 
throughout the state of Massachusetts that now 80% of OB practices are using where they're actually screening women for bipolar and depression. And 19 states have adopted this now. So we're learning all these incredible stories. Um, so I was really drawn to that. And so, and because I love telling science stories, I'm thrilled, you know, to learn all these stories. And there's so many. We're in fact, we're not just going to do a film, we're going to do a series of deep dive educational videos that go deeper into all these topics because there's so many. And so um I have a lot of ideas in mind. We're still doing a lot of research and development and talking to people. So we don't have a treatment yet, but I'm thinking very visually. There are a lot of people who do really cool looking neuroimaging of, yeah. you know, they do functional MRIs and you mm -hmm. think things lighting up in the brain. So we're going to have a big graphics budget. We're going to do a lot of great graphics, you know, a lot of brain graphics and, you know, really to explain the science well. And we're finding these researchers who have really cool visuals in their own work, like the not just the neuroimaging, but they're they're growing like little brains and they're mm. creating they're creating brains out of stem cells. And, you know, there's just all this cool stuff that's that to me is fascinating as a filmmaker. So I'm I'm very excited to dive into all this content. And you mentioned your last project, which was uh, climate emergency feedback loops. Would I be overstating it to say that our our nation right now is in a bit of a mental health emergency in there and therefore the timing of your project could not be more relevant? I, I think that's right, Michael. I mean, with COVID and, you know, there it is. I think we are in a mental health crisis and we've been talking to some corporations who have departments that are committed to helping educate their own employees about mental health issues because there's such a huge problem with workers taking leaves, not being able to come to work, you know, kids obviously having huge problems with school and social interactions. And I just think there's a huge mental health crisis. Sarah, you would agree, right? Yeah. I mean, Michael, I circling back again, I think it was one of the key reasons I finally decided to publish this memoir because I'd written it, you know, in parts 10, 15 years ago. And there's a, there's a, a lot about why I published it when I did in the in the prologue. So I won't give that away. But but I call it the pandemic induced mental health tsunami. And there's no doubt, you know, and then like the, the Surgeon General last year, maybe now it was uh, 21, came out with the first ever. Um, what would we call this? I can't think report <laughs> on. um mental health disaster among our youth. And one out of two kids, he's saying that's something around 18 to 25 yeah. is suffering from anxiety or depression, one out of two. So if you think about their parents, right, how are their parents getting any work done? So right. it's really, you know, this tsunami that's infecting all of us and more and more we're hearing about it. I mean, then on top of that, we realized that Bipolar, probably all mental health challenges, but bipolar in particular, because this is our topic, it is tremendously underreported due to mm -hmm. the stigma and due to misdiagnosis. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about about that. I'm curious in in your experience with uh, being on the bipolar spectrum, how much did portrayals of bipolar characters in pop culture uh, color your perception uh, of the condition? And color your perception of yourself as someone who may be living with the condition. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm the person in the street. Right. 
I mean, there's a huge stigma and I definitely internalized that stigma. And I wasn't telling Bonnie or any of my colleagues at, you know, at school or at work over the years, I was terrified to right up until a year ago when I published my memoir, I still was not telling my professional colleagues. I work with, um, you know, I worked in corporate uh, private sector. So I had Eileen Fisher as an example, wonderful woman. She was my client for seven years. She's spoken publicly in the New Yorker and others about uh, mental health challenges in her family. I still was afraid to tell her. I didn't tell any of my colleagues there. I, I was connected with a network of 300 women CEOs. I wasn't going to tell them. In fact, they're the last people I told. Again, fear of stigma. Um, and I was terrified. I'd feel my heartbeat in my chest, you know, <laughs> like I was going to die. And then when I finally decided for whatever reason, put me over you know, um, willingness to go public, I just received the most beautiful responses in this last year. It's mm-hmm. been tremendously healing. Um, and people saying, you know, me too, or my mother, my sister, my brother, my cousin, my nephew, uh, we've been shocked to find out to a person, mm-hmm. we haven't found anyone who doesn't have somebody with bipolar in their, in their family. So how is it that it's only 2% as statistics say it's not, we know it's not only 2%. Bonnie, uh, in the in the film, what are your initial thoughts right now um, around how the film will deal with sort of exposing the stigma and kind of disempowering the stigma? Yeah, Um, well, we plan to highlight some amazing characters with bipolar, including Sarah. We have met the most incredible accomplished people. We met a Shark Tank millionaire. We met uh, the woman, this doctor who's the former acting surgeon general of California, wrote an op-ed piece in the LA Times in August coming out saying she's bipolar. We've met an ice climber who worked for the Obama administration. Like we've just met the most incredible people. So part of our story is to destigmatize it by talking about kind of the the silver lining of bipolar, which for people who have it, you know, under control um, can be almost like one of our characters calls it her superpower. Mm-hmm. What enables her to be so creative and so accomplished and so energetic. And, and so it isn't just, we want to present it as not just this horrible thing that's like a death sentence if you get it. No, it's you, you learn to control it and then you, you can benefit from it, actually. And, and Michael, sorry, I'm sorry. Go on, sir. Michael, um, you know, we were talking, Bonnie's talking about these incredible characters and, you know, even for myself. So so there's this huge, I call it shame lifting <laughs> or shame erasing that's been happening as a result of people writing me and saying, thank you, your courage and vulnerability. It's giving me courage. But I still didn't identify myself with these amazing characters that Bonnie's mentioning. I still identified myself with the downside of bipolar. Now we're meeting all these people and I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is my tribe. Right. And it's been lifting shame even more and, you know, sort of call it bipolar pride. Um, so that's pretty amazing. So just last week and we haven't interviewed this person yet. We're excited about through the various doctors we've been meeting. Um, we always say, you know, who else should we talk to? And one of them said, oh, there's a woman at Cal and she's studying the upside of bipolar. Why these people are so, you know, so much genius, so much creativity. So we're going to talk to her next week because that science is going to be interesting to find out. You know, when I was listening to your TED talk, one phrase that kind of resonated with me and tell me if this was purposeful was your description of the bipolar brain, which is different than saying I am bipolar. 
right? It's and I think there's a difference between uh, saying to somebody, something's happening in your brain that is beyond your control. It's not the byproduct of decisions you've made, as opposed to uh, speaking of the condition as if it were um, a byproduct of your persona. I am very intentional about semantics because uh, for me, this is a big part of ending the stigma. And so I say that I, I use bipolar brain on purpose because I want to say, OK, if you had issues with your lungs or your heart, with your pancreas, would you feel stigmatized? No, you take you know insulin. Um, so I do that on purpose. And I also don't like to say I'm bipolar. Well, guess what? I'm also a mom and a friend and a yes. wife and a consult- corporate consultant and a skier. You know, if I say I'm bipolar, I identify myself, you identify me with my disorder. Nope. So I try to be very intentional about those semantics. And it's it's a little bit um, uh, controversial. Some of the doctors say, well, it's not just your brain. It's also these other things and certainly genetics. It may be in your circadian rhythms, but I do it on purpose for that reason. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier that I believe it was 11 years on average. Uh, that that it, it it takes for this diagnosis to be uh, delivered. Do you have any sense as as the science um, sort of catches up and as the science evolves, whether that window is shortening? Well, I don't I can't quote a statistic. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really know the answer to that. But what I do know is that it really is it's coming out more and more. I mean, there's mm-hmm. more and more. And that's why I think this project is so we have we have good timing on our side because just people are coming out more. There's a guy named um, Paul English. You might've heard of who started kayak, one of the founders of kayak.com. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. And he is the one who's, who was behind the development of this MLK junior statue that just unveiled in, in Boston. He started a website called the bipolar social club because he has a bipolar brain and he wanted to create this community to celebrate people with, bipolar brains and he's sort of the poster child of an incredible entrepreneur who's been so successful so i just i think things like this are making it more well known and more and more doctors are kind of gradually you know the, the story i told about the obe practices adopting bipolar screening i think it's trickling out more but we want this film to really be play a big part in that in educating people, caregivers, doctors, all kinds of audiences about it. And along those lines. So there, you know, there's the film and the film will um, um, ostensibly play on PBS at, at one point. So there's, oh. there's it's hour or, or 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that it's really important for you for the film to, you know, live beyond its air date. Right. And for its impact to live beyond its air date. So as a producer, as you're standing right here at, the, at its inception, pretty much, tell me where your mind is at with with how you want the outreach to uh, to basically take on sort of an organic life of its own. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of using the climate films as a model because we started with five short films for the web Mm -hmm. that we wanted to make accessible to everyone. And then we out of that, we created a one hour broadcast film that has been airing on PBS and has been sold around the world to various Mm -hmm. television broadcasters. So for this, we want to do something kind of similar where we do a film that we hope will be broadcast, whether or not on PBS, we don't, we don't know yet, you know, we're hoping, but then we think it's really important to do smaller modules 
And we want to get them out somehow. This is what we're trying to figure out. We want to get them to like OBGYNs, primary care physicians who don't get the training that they need. And and Sarah says something like 80% of prescriptions for Prozac are written by PCPs who have like one month of psychiatric training in medical school X number of years ago. And a lot of people coming in saying, oh, I'm depressed and writing them Prozac prescriptions where, and if you have a bipolar brain that can lead to suicide. Mm -hmm. So we want to get, we want to try to educate PCPs, nurse practitioners, psychiatric nurses, college health centers. You know, we have a huge list of people we want to get these videos to. And what we're thinking about doing is, you know, tailoring each video to a particular audience. So we, we do like a 20 minute one for OBGYNs. We do a, a 20 minute one for colleges. You know, we, we try to really tailor the, the deep dives to particular audiences to, and then we have to figure out a way to get them out to them. So we're, we're thinking about that. Super exciting. What Bonnie's saying about these target audiences, because they have slightly different needs. One of the, the missions of the book and the film will also be to educate uh, people with bipolar and their families yeah. because people don't know. So we have um, one of my son's best friends at, at college as a result of the book, he got the proper diagnosis. Amazing. His mother, me mom, she's from UK. Uh, they said they used the book to go to various practitioners who didn't know about bipolar two and advocate. And that kind of blows my mind because exactly what we want to have happen. Yeah. Um, and they end up, this kid end up getting the right diagnosis, the right prescriptions, not what he's on a really good path right now. Um, and hopefully we saved him 25 years of heartache and worse. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to Sarah's book. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, what better feeling could you have as the as the author of that book to know that just that one life, you know, and it, and honestly, in the uh, the synopsis on your on the website, which is um, brainstorm the film for anybody who's interested in uh, we'll make sure that all of these links and and uh, websites are are included in the um, the program notes for this particular podcast. But, you know, in the synopsis uh, for for your vision for the film, you do use the phrase save lives. And that is not hyperbole. I, and I, I think that that's, you know, the story that Sarah just relayed is in, is indicative of that. Bonnie, tell me what the um, uh, how the idea has been received, at least initially from some of the early stakeholders you might be speaking with. Really, really positively. I mean, I, everyone we've talked to is excited about this film. And as Sarah said, everyone we talk to says, oh, yeah, my dad had bipolar. My uncle has bipolar. My cousin, my sister, my kid. Like, it's just amazing how many people are touched by this. And I'm I'm just thrilled. I mean, we we've been sending out emails about our launch on February 8th, where we were having our meet the team and Q&A session on Zoom. And we've been getting, you know, donations from people we don't even know. Um, we got one nice, very large pledge from someone we do know who has, you know, bipolar in their family. Mm-hmm. So people are just really, this is resonating with a lot of people. So it, we're getting an incredible outpouring of of support when you say you already so. mentioned uh, a, few, a few individuals who I think that I could safely categorize as high achieving. Is there any truth or correlation to the to the I, I've heard sort of, you know, anecdotally that a lot of people on the bipolar spectrum 
are actually are very high achieving. There's a lot of CEOs. There's a lot of very successful uh, entrepreneurs. Um, Sarah or Bonnie, um, what do you know about that? And is that a help or is that a hindrance in trying to make this information applicable to as broad an audience as possible? Well, uh, well, Michael, I think the first thing, the hunch it, it, that we share from what the description you just had, um, that's the woman, Cal, we're going to be speaking with next week, who's actually doing scientific research into this phenomena. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious to hear what she has to say, because we haven't talked to anyone else who's doing the work. Um, I think, you know, net net, it's going to be a positive because people like me want to see success. We want to see destigma. We want the kids who just gotten that diagnosis and think, is this the end of my life? Oh no, there's Paul English. He sold kayak for 1.8 billion. You know, it's, it's a, it's an aspirational. Somebody said in a diversity world, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So if you can see it right, then um, it's very uh, positive. And I also think it's important. There's a misnomer that um, somehow if you take lithium or you take some other bipolar med, it's going to hurt your creativity. Mm -hmm. Wrong. I mean, yes, if you take too much, if you're overmedicated or if they've got the wrong drug or you don't have a good psychopharmacologist, it's possible. But nope, my creativity is improved because I'm not getting sick for nine months. Yeah. You know, so it's it's very popular possible. And I think seeing these other people, one of the ones Bonnie didn't mention, who is now on our team and very passionate about our mission is uh, Major General Greg Martin, who um, commanded 10,000 troops in Iraq. So here's another guy, very, very successful um, now that he's medicated, balanced. Yep. Uh, good. You know, I think it's just a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea of those aspirational stories. So, Bonnie, you had mentioned the event on the um, the 8th of February, which Filmmakers Collaborative will be uh, will be uh, coordinating and information about that will be uh, shared and publicized highly over the over the coming weeks. Uh, but Bonnie, give us, if you could, just a little bit more about what uh, participants in that Zoom event can expect and and what you would like the outcome of that event to be. Yeah, well, we're seeing this as sort of our public launch. Mm-hmm. So we, we're going to have the whole team there, and our team consists of Sarah and me, the filmmakers, Melanie, our senior producer. Um, our advisors are Dr. Holly Schwartz and Dr. Jim Phelps, who are two top bipolar doctors in the field. And then our lived, uh, our experience, what are we calling it, Sarah? People with lived experience? Yeah, people with lived experience, or experience. people living with bipolar, those mm-hmm. are Experts by experience, um, which is also Sarah, of course, but is also this former acting Surgeon General, Dr. Devika Bouchon and Major uh, Greg Martin, who Sarah just mentioned, Major General. Um, So they're our official team. So the idea of the event is to meet the team. We'll probably talk a little bit about what we've been telling you about mm-hmm. how the project came to be, what our goals are, why we think it's important, and then open the floor for questions if people have questions. So we're really just kind of unveiling it and getting, you know, we want to build a community around the project. And, you know, since we're still in the development phase, we're also open to hearing stories that people might want to tell us. You know, if someone said, hey, there's this great study going on or there's this cool person I know, like we're we're open to hearing about it at this point because we're still in the R&D phase. So given that you are still in the R&D phase, have you even given any thought right now to attaching any type of a timeline to, you know, completion and presenting out in the world the uh, the the finished product? 
we've thought about it. Mm-hmm. I think probably it might, you know, realistic to say 2024 or 2025. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You, as you know, films can take many years to Absolutely. make. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. We're very lucky that we've already gotten a nice chunk of funding and we, we could go out and film tomorrow if we were ready. But we have a bigger plan. We have a very ambitious plan of not just production of the film, but also the, the other videos and outreach and, you know, just marketing. And, you know, we have a big goal. <laughs> so we don't want to rush it. We want to make sure we have really great stories and really great characters. So we're probably thinking about filming kind of late summer, fall, start mm-hmm. filming. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we'll see. We're we're learning things all the time. And it's almost like I'm also feeling like the longer you wait, the more there is. Like there's more things happening. And so- that was going to be my next question, because <laughs> as a science filmmaker, yeah. uh, as you are, the you know, the stories that you tell are are they're they're um, they're bolstered by research and by evidence. Right. And and it seems like oftentimes you're telling stories that if you waited for the latest to be coming in, you'd never be finished because right. it's continually evolving. It's continually evolving. So it's always striking that balance of, you know, not waiting too long, but not rushing it either. And then you're always going to be outdated at some point because science does evolve. So we're, we're trying to balance all that and figure out what the good stories are that won't be outdated five minutes later. Sure. And I think, I think one of the, one too. of the ideal outcomes of, of your kind of ongoing outreach campaign too, would be the opportunity to update information, um, you know, as it's available and applicable to the subject matter. Yeah. I'm definitely open to that. Sarah, you were going to say something. That's pretty much what I was going to say. It was the the notion of building community and building a whole field of inquiry and people excited. And, you know, that, you know, we hope to be the go to place for the bipolar spectrum uh, for people to learn that that what you're saying, Michael, it can be evolving over Mm -hmm. time. We can, you know, update. Um, and add new new stories to that. And we also want to have a multi-platform project where we're not just doing the films, but we're doing, as Sarah said, we're kind of the go-to place. Our website maybe has the latest research. We want to do podcasts and we might want to do webinars. And, you know, we want to keep it open for um, lots of different approaches. So I want to leave each of you with a a final question. Um, And Sarah, I'm going to start with you. If, If you could name just one objective that was met at the end of all of this project, what would it be? The main thing that is that people learn that there's a bipolar spectrum and there's bipolar without mania. Wonderful. And Bonnie, yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's the same as Sarah. My goal is to educate people Mm -hmm. about this topic so they know. That's fantastic. And I'm, uh, I have no doubt that the entire initiative will go a long way toward achieving that objective. As a reminder, the Zoom event will be on February the 8th. And uh, keep your eyes on your your um, your social media platforms and your email inboxes because you'll be receiving information uh, from Filmmakers Collaborative about that. And uh, Bonnie and Sarah, I thank you for your time. And for sharing with us information about this really important project. And uh, I look forward to seeing both of you on February the 8th. And Bonnie, did you want to finish up with something? 
I wanted to add to encourage people to follow us on social media because we have Instagram, Twitter, and fa- and a Facebook page. Wonderful. So can we put the social media links in, in the program notes? Absolutely. All okay. of those social media links will be in the podcast notes. And then as we share this podcast, uh, all of those links will also be part of any sharing that's done. Michael, I just want to add, because people who may be listening to this who are looking for help, mm-hmm. uh, resources on my right now, they exist on my author page, which is Sarah Schley, the way my name is spelled dot com. There's a resources page. Uh, really important. If you need help, there are a number of resources there. Um, That's important. And again, thank you for thank you for sharing that. And thank you both for your time. This has Thanks. been uh, great speaking with each of you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Talk soon.